And uh, while they're exiting, I want to take the opportunity. Uh, this whole section over here, the peanut gallery here, is my family. Um, we had a house full. <laughs> Look at that. They're, 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 they're surprised. Um, no, um, it's been a blessing. We had 21 people in our home this week. It's, it was, tell you what, that's a Thanksgiving meal right there. But uh, quite a blessing to have them. And, you know, as we, as we come to this time of year, this week, there, there are those things that, that we remember to express gratitude for, don't we? And hopefully this week has been a time where you have paused and expressed those, those things of gratitude outwardly to one another, to family, friends, and, and to the Lord. As we come to today's passage, Paul is expressing a, a true heart of, of gratitude. You know, I lay these sermons out and plan ahead, but sometimes as you're preparing it, you're like, wow, this just really fits. And, and as I was, I was going through this, I, I looked at our passage today and I thought how easy it would be for us to, to come to today's passage and dismiss it. Just dismiss it as Paul's personal expressions of of fondness for, for those individuals that he knew, those that were in his life, and for us to come to it and just go, well, that has nothing to do with me, and move past it. In fact, I think if we did that, we would miss a great and necessary lesson that I believe the church needs to hear. Remember, we come to the Scriptures and all of God's Word is God-breathed. There is something for us, and, and as we come today, I hope you see the benefit of these verses for you and me. And as we look around our society and even in our churches, I, I grieve with the sad reminders that, that we see all around us of, of loneliness, the sad reminders of what it looks like when there are those absent or missing. When we look at families, we see single parents, a single mom or a single dad striving hard to, to raise their children. For various different reasons. We see children that are lacking or growing up with the absence of a father, the absence of a mother, or both. Maybe they're being raised by a grandparent or someone else. We, we see grandchildren or children being raised without grandparents. Which I believe grandparents have a vital role in the lives of children. Some of you have expressed just the enjoyment of having grandchildren this week. I also look around and I see our elderly 
who are lacking family to come around them, whether their own family or the church family even, feeling alone. And these struggles that we see in families is not absent from the church family. The church struggles with these things in the same way. And we come and we see those in in the body of Christ, the family of God, absent, missing. And And the body hurts. It suffers. In our passage in Philippians, as Paul, as we're wrapping up chapter 2 here, Paul is addressing, he's articulating well for us the importance of others in our life. Please turn with me in your copy of God's Word or follow up above. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice. And I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. It's interesting. We we come to a passage like this, and we're really looking at some individuals, individuals that were very close to Paul. Now, I I just want to take a quick survey in here. How many introverts do we have? They're too introverted. They don't want to raise their hands. Okay. How many extroverts do we have in here? I don't know what the rest of you are. Okay. 
Well, that's good because today's message is not addressing introverts. It's not addressing extroverts. Today's message is for God's children as a whole. Each and every one of you. Remember, as we've been going through Philippians, we've been looking at the different things, and as we've been going through chapter 2, we've been looking at and being challenged to have the mind of Christ. Be Christ-like. Pursue what, what Christ was like in your life. Look at Him for your example. Well, it is very Christ-like to be a people person. Did you know that? It is very Christ-like to be a people person. People matter to Christ. People are important to Christ. In fact, people are at the very heart of Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about that? I've heard people say before, I'm not a people person. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, well, you know. But. Have you noticed that people matter to Paul too? People are important to him. In fact, people, and, and especially people that, that understand and grasp the, the gospel message, bring the greatest joy to Paul. He is thrilled with people. He has a heart for people and a love for people. Why? Because people are at the center of Christ's heart. And he desires to have a heart like Christ. So regardless of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or somewhere in the middle, I want to challenge you today that you and I need to be people people. We need to be a people person. Someone who cares about those around us. I find it interesting that as, as we, we look at the life of Christ, do you realize that he was God in the flesh? That's right, we'll talk about that here in a couple of weeks here. But God in the flesh and God himself chose to work with people. Think about that. God did not come and say, I'm going to do it all. I don't need anyone. He says, no, I'm going to choose 12. And did you look at the 12 that he chose? Knowing that even one of them would betray him. But he chose to work with people because he loves people and he chose to die for people. That's a powerful thought. I'm encouraged he still wants to work with people. He still wants to use people like me. Wow. When we think about Paul, okay, Peter, how many of you can relate with Peter? How many of you can relate with Paul? Okay, very, very seldom do you see hands go up, oh man, Paul and I were like this, you know? Peter, man, people identify with Peter. People identify with John or, or, or Barnabas and others. But Paul, man, 
When you think about Paul, people kind of have this guy that's an individualistic kind of guy. He is out there, the Lone Ranger, going forward, planting churches. And he was, he was a passionate, charismatic individual. He had a zeal that was contagious, but he did not work individually. Think about that. As you read the letters of Paul, they are littered with people's names of individuals that he's working with, side by side, thanking them for their, their participation, their help, and their service. You go through his letter in, letters and over five dozen names, different individuals are mentioned in his letters. This is a man that is engaging with others around him. And I would imagine there was a lot more that were not even listed. The great Apostle Paul worked with others. Needed others. Desired others. I've, I've grown up in the church and it's a sad statement but often when going through the scriptures I've heard many come to those that these passages where names are, are listed and just skipped over them. They come and they, all that said is well these are people that Paul knew and he's talking about them but let's get on to the more important stuff the more theological stuff. What a tragedy. I think when we come to passages like this, we see some amazing examples of how you and I need to engage in the work of ministry that that God is calling us to. In fact, I see in passages like this a great example of true body living, coming together and participating. It was great. I was having a conversation just before starting of of the importance of a body. And when there's one that's not participating, it's like not using a part of your body. If I put my, my arm in a sling it very quickly will not function. And we were talking on the, the basis of what occurred last week of, of bringing our young people up here. What a blessing that was. And what an important thing for our church and our young people to see that they are needed, valued, and desired. They are a part of the body of Christ. They are a part of this church family. Body living. And as Paul comes and he's sharing his heart with these believers there in Philippi, he he addresses two individuals. And I want us to look at these two men briefly this morning because I believe they serve as examples for you and I. First one, Timothy. Who is Timothy? My goodness, I could probably 
draw multiple sermons just on this, this, this young man. Timothy was, was a man that Paul addresses more so in all his letters than, than any other person. He was near and dear to, to this, this apostle. He, he was there serving alongside Paul. He was there for Paul. He was active in the work of, of Jesus Christ with him. I mean, these guys together were doing some amazing things and seeing God work in amazing ways. And Paul has an affection for this young man. You could begin to see it in just some of the words that, that he expressed even in his letter here. This young man, Timothy, is a third generation believer in Jesus Christ. His grandmother, his mother, it doesn't say much about his father other than that he was a, a Gentile. We're not sure if his father was a believer. In fact, most speculate he wasn't but this young man as paul is is starting his second missionary journey he comes to the town of lystra remember back to chapter one when we looked at that and he comes to lystra and he sees this young man he's like wow look at his heart for the lord this young man was already ministering in the church where he was at and, in, and as a young man myself, I used to think of this guy like in his late teens, early 20s and stuff. It's actually speculated. He was probably more in his 30s or so when Paul met him. But a young man. In fact, as, as Timothy joined Paul in his missionary journey, Paul's like, you know what? I want you. Imagine what that does to a young man, a young woman. For another godly man or a godly woman to come alongside of him and say, wow, you know, I, I see this, this, and this in your life. I, I appreciate these things. I want you, I, I want you to help me. I could use you. Imagine what that does to a young person. And I'm talking all ages now. And the first place they go to is Philippi. You recall what happened there. That was no easy ministry starting out there. But Timothy, along with Paul, has a special place in his heart for these people. He genuinely cares for these people. And Paul is saying, I'm going to send him back to find out about you. But he's not just going back because I'm asking him to. Timothy's coming back because he cares so much for you, church. He is concerned for your well-being. He is concerned for, for your growth and maturity in Christ. In fact, Paul begins to use these, these descriptions of, of Timothy. He says he's, he's one of a kindred spirit. He says, when I think of Timothy, man, his heart and my heart, we beat in tune. Oh, I love this young man. We have common cares, common concerns. And we're both concerned about you. That's an amazing relationship when you can find someone where your heart beats together. Especially for the things of God. 
genuine. Paul says he's genuine in his concern. Timothy has a pastor's heart. Timothy is, I I don't know if he was some great preacher or not. I don't know. We don't have any of his sermons recorded. But he was a shepherd. He cared for people. He had concerns. Verse 21. Paul describes Timothy in contrast. He says he's not like others who are not interested in the things of Christ. In other words, Timothy is interested in those things of Christ. Timothy is interested in seeing people know Christ, grow in Christ. He is interested in those things. That's where his passion is, his heart. What a thing to be said of someone. You know, so-and-so, he's interested in Christ. She's interested in the things of Christ. What a statement. And he's faithful. This young man was faithful. At this time, he'd probably been working with, with Paul for, for at least 10 years, maybe a little more. But he says he has proven his worth. Do you know individuals who have proven their worth? demonstrated their heart for the Lord who are faithful and he's a hard worker he has served with Paul and Paul as he thinks about him serving alongside he gets a little affectionate he says you know it's almost like a son with a father See, in those days, the son would come alongside the father. And from a young age, would would be there at the father's side and would engage in the work that dad did. Jesus Christ himself, a carpenter. Joseph, a carpenter. In the workshop, working with wood and, 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 and creating things out of wood. And there was Jesus growing up, a carpenter. And Timothy comes alongside Paul and does the work of an evangelist, does the work of a shepherd. What an example, what a model. And the commitment is not only to Paul. There is a commitment level there to Paul for sure, but the commitment is also to Christ Jesus. The work and the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul took time to invest. Invest in Timothy. Invest in a young man. That takes time. That takes effort. And Timothy was committed to letting himself be taught. You know, it's this young man that later Paul would send to the church in Thessalonica. 
he would send him to the church for the sole purpose of encouraging them. It would be Timothy that Paul would leave in Ephesus to pastor. He would shepherd that flock. And very few disagree on the importance of Ephesus in in the work of planting churches and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a key, pivotal church. Paul's like, you know, Timothy, I want you to be the shepherd there. I want you to be that pastor. You lead them. It's to Timothy that Paul would write two letters. Two letters that that describe beautifully the pastor's heart and role and responsibility. The church is coming together as, as a body and a family. You know, when we look at individuals in Scripture, we need to take them down from the pedestals that sometimes we put them on. And remember, these were were men and women just like you and I. Going through difficult times and struggles. Having to pay taxes. Having to to make a living. Having employers that were difficult or employees that, that really rubbed us wrong or co-workers. They had family struggles. They had fears. They had concerns. They had griefs. They had joy. They had laughter. But I think the church needs more Timothys. Individuals who are willing to serve God. Individuals who are willing to come along and place themselves under someone to learn. I think we need more people like that. With a humble heart. And a heart for people. Willing to engage in the work of Jesus Christ. The church is lacking for those willing to engage. And I think the church needs more Pauls. Men, women willing to look around and say, I want you. I want you to come. I want you to do life with me. I want you to do ministry with me. I want you to come alongside and I want to pass on that baton. And here's the thing, just like Paul, at some point, you actually have to pass that baton and let go. Send them to Ephesus. Let them go and and lead worship one Sunday. (gasps) Oh my. Let them go and, and share from a passage of Scripture and maybe not get the full point of it and it's okay. I think about the first sermon I was forced to, to do. I was forced. Charlie Hornet came to me and said, Jed, I, I appreciate your heart for the Lord. Well, thank you. I want you to preach. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, you're just going to preach at, at the, the mission. Oh, man. I was terrified. I was an introvert. And I preached. I preached. 
about Jesus being the shepherd, the good shepherd, and all of that. And you know what? I missed the point of that passage altogether. I look back, I have those notes still, and I looked at what I said, and I'm, I, I mean, I didn't preach heresy, but oh my goodness! I mean, that 15-year-old boy, I mean, really did not get the full point of that ma- message. And I had a Paul come alongside and say, I appreciate your heart for the Lord. I appreciate what you shared tonight. You know, next time when you preach this, you should, there's these points you could look at. There's this that you could draw out. And as he's saying that, I'm going, man, I really blew that. You know? But he did it in such a way that he said, next time. I appreciate the individuals. That let me be a Timothy. That invested enough to be a Paul. Because I was a lot of work. It wasn't easy. Shoot, one time I kicked a football through a window during a prayer meeting. (laughs) Yep, that's the next pastor. I don't know. You know, in order... For there to be Paul's and Timothy's in the body of Christ, we have to be willing to work together. We have to be willing to work. Because both take effort, both take work. Paul mentions another man, his name, Epaphroditus. All we know about this man is basically what's here. Oh, And I have such great respect for Epaphroditus. Man, try spelling that as a kid. Oh, that would have been miserable. But, you know, this man had become a close friend to Paul. I don't know if they they met each other and grew close when Paul was there and visiting, or if it was just through this season of of him coming to Paul with a message and, and a gift from the church. But Paul describes this this man as a brother. That that is a term of of a close relationship, of, of, of just closeness there. He is my brother. Describes him as a fellow worker. One willing to come along and, and, and engage in the cause, engage in, in the focus that Paul had for the gospel of Jesus Christ. A fellow worker. And then he says, a fellow soldier. That is a level of commitment. This man, Epaphroditus, had chosen intentionally to engage in the work of Christ. At a level that expressed great commitment. You look at those descriptions of this man, and you know what? Wow. Hats off to him. Side by side. 
Paul had this man, Epaphroditus, come and, and work with him. Paul had this man, Epaphroditus, engage in the difficult situation he was. Remember, he's in prison. He comes and he faces hardships and dangers. There was a health risk. Prisons were not a sanitary place. And I know he was on house arrest, but I would imagine it still wasn't the Hilton. Or shoot, for that matter, you know, Motel 8. And he engaged with Paul. But the thing that stood out to me was this man, Epaphroditus, ministered. He ministered. He ministered to Paul. Paul had needs. Paul had hardships and difficulties, and, and this man came to minister to Paul. Risking great dangers, risking much to minister to another. Have you thought about that? He came and ministered to Paul's financial needs. He brought a gift from the church. We'll look at that later. Paul addresses that gift. He came and ministered to Paul's physical needs, probably bringing some food, maybe fresh clothing. Encouraging words. The great Apostle Paul needed to be ministered to. What an what a amazing thought. Did you recognize Epaphroditus, his heart, when we read that passage? Did you see the heart of this man? He's on his deathbed. And we don't know what the sickness was, but it, Paul and Epaphroditus thought he was going to die. That's, that's pretty sick. That's not the, um, you know, the common cold there. And as he's laying there on his deathbed, he is concerned. His heart is aching. For the, when he finds out his church family is, is overwhelmed with grief and concern for him, he's like, oh, I don't know about you, but some people, when they're in this situation, are like, woe is me. I'm a horrible sick patient, by the way. Oh, my goodness. I don't get sick often, but I'm, I'm a horrible patient. But in that state, he's concerned for his church family. What a heart. What a heart for other people. And he desired to, to ease their concern and their stress. You know, Paul would have benefited from a man like Epaphroditus staying there, being able to minister to his needs, go and do things for him and, and help out. But he decided to send him back. Send him back with this letter. Epaphroditus is the one bringing the letter we call Philippians back to that church. He is the messenger back. In fact, he came to minister to Paul what was lacking 
Isn't that a beautiful description of our missionaries? Those that are sent out by the church. They go and minister places on what is lacking in our part. We can't do it, but we send them on our behalf. And that's Epaphroditus. And he sends them back to address these concerns the church had for him. But Paul, as he sends him back, is concerned about some things, so he addresses some things. And he wants the church to have an appropriate appreciation for this man. Because of that, I think we need to look at this briefly. I have a whole page in two minutes, but we'll get through it. No doubt as Epaphroditus comes up the road, he has this letter from Paul. They're going to be excited to see him alive. They're going to be excited that there's a message from Paul. There, and, and there might be some. I am not saying the church today struggles with this at all. But back then, maybe. There might be some in there that might have a negative mindset. Thank goodness we don't have any negative mindsets in the church today. Isn't that a great thing? Oh, snickering. Okay. You know, there could have been those in the church in Philippi. They see Epaphroditus coming through and, and all that. The church is gathering together and they're walking to, to the gathering and they're, you know, talking, you know, as a couple or maybe some friends, you know, on the road and they're like, oh man, it's great to see Epaphroditus alive, but man, did he blow it. You know, didn't we send him to take care of Paul and here he is, he had to come back. I can't believe he, you know, we send him with one thing and here he is. He's not even there taking care of Paul like we wanted him to. Man, that quitter. He gets sick. One day, you know, gets the sniffles and then he decides to come home because it's hard. Thank goodness the church doesn't have people like that. That will constantly look at the negative in somebody else instead of realizing, wow, he went and did what we wanted, and now Paul's sending back a letter with him to encourage us. What a wonderful thing! And just appreciate the joy. So Paul just outright in this letter. I mean, think about it. They're, they're kind of mixed. There's murmurings in the church and all of that. Thank goodness murmurings are gone now. Whew. That was a thing of old, isn't it? We've learned our lesson there. They're reading it. The murmurers are listening and like, Paul's talking to us. He says, hey, when Epaphroditus comes back, rejoice! Oh. Rejoice with him. Rejoice that he's there. And now, church, I wonder, I wonder if the shepherd of that church at that moment reading that said, Epaphroditus, come here. Or maybe Epaphroditus is reading, and this is really awkward, you know. Hold men like him in high regard. Honor men like him. And then there's those awkward looks at each other like, oh man, oh. Paul's telling us this. 
appreciate. Those within the church with a willingness and a heart to engage in the work of Christ. I would encourage you as a church to take time at some point in the next month. I'll give you a month. To stop and and thank those that that help out in Awana. Thank those that are Awana commanders. They work hard, and you know what? Sometimes it's a thankless job. Those ones that come every Wednesday and work with kids that are full of energy when the adults are not full of energy. Thank you. They may not be putting their life on the line, but, but they're giving up their life for others. There's days I'd rather take a bullet than live for Christ. I was talking with some of my brother and brother-in-laws about that. A bullet would be much easier than living for Christ. He was working, he was risking, this individual risked his life for the cause of Christ. And he did it for the church. But it's a beautiful picture of the whole body working together for a single purpose. Receive him back, honor him. Church needs Epaphroditus. I think that's how you say his name, plural. They need that. We need people willing to minister to someone, even if there's risk. You're like, Pastor, there's risk in ministry? Oh, yeah. Very seldom will we probably ever face the risk of death. However, some of our leaders on Wednesday night thought they might. I mean, but what about the risk of being hurt? Investing so much just to allow your heart to be crushed. When you minister, you risk being misunderstood. They don't see everything that you're doing, what you're doing, why you're doing it, and being misunderstood. That hurts. The risk of being taken advantage of. Advantage of your caring, your concern, your time. There's risk. Risk of people judging. They don't know all the details, but man, they are quick to judge. They will deliver the verdict without knowing any information whatsoever. When you and I minister, there is risk. Every time. And often there's no appreciation. Church, we need to appreciate those who are willing to minister and take the risk. I want to encourage you to minister and take the risk. Many choose not to. And they miss out on the opportunity. 
They miss out on the opportunity of joy and, and, and seeing God work. They miss out on the opportunity of being a part of the body of Christ. They miss the opportunity for God to work in them, through them, for His glory. Because they don't want the risk. We need more people in the church who have a mind of Christ. We need more who are willing to engage with people for people. This morning, venture all of us to some degree need to be a good Timothy, willing to learn, willing to grow, willing to engage. Some need to be willing to be that mentor that's going to come alongside. To look for a Timothy and engage with that individual. Show them a baton and encourage them to run faster and farther than you ever could for the sake of Christ. All of us need to be an Epaphroditus willing to minister regardless the risk. You know why? Because God loves people. And the best way the body of Christ can reach people is working with others. Let's pray. God, thank you for these names. Names so quickly, so easily to, to pass by, to not give much thought to, but these are individuals that you used for the furtherance of your glory, your gospel, your son. God, I pray that our church will be full of Timothys, Pauls, and Epaphroditus's. May we be willing to work with one another.